This week on the Small Church Media Podcast, we are talking about easy ways for your church to get found online. Today, we're going to talk about how we can get people to find your church when they search for it online and what you can do with your website to make sure that Google, Bing, and other search engines are finding your website and then showing it to people who are actually looking for it. You ready to talk about it? Let's get it. This is the Small Church Media Podcast with Mark Hyde. Well, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Small Church Media Podcast. Today is a special day here over on the podcast. Today is the day that I officially launch my first ever course to help you as a small church take your next steps online. You know, I've created some resources like the free PDF downloadable audit that you can take your church's website through to help make sure it's up to snuff to doing what it's supposed to be doing. But I've talked about and I've always dreamed about, you know, it'd be so, so cool to start offering some courses to help you guys as small churches, you know, do things that small churches, let's be honest, want to do, but maybe not necessarily know how to do or feel like they have the resources to do that. So today, I am dropping my free Sermon Series Graphics mini course where you can learn how to design three different graphics using Canva Free, not Canva Premium, no premium elements, but simply using Canva Free to create three, in my opinion, super, super amazing social media graphics for your church. No, 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 back back that up. Not social media graphics, but sermon series graphics for your church. You know, we've done a lot of episodes recently about like the different rules of sermon graphics, how you can make those, what tools you should be using, maybe even where to find inspiration. So I took all those conversations and created a free video course where you will design right alongside me so that way you can create some amazing graphics for your church. And then the best part is inside of that course, it's not just how to make a sermon series graphic, but I show you how to turn that sermon series graphic into a social media post. I teach you how to actually turn those into templates so you could just constantly reuse them over and over and over and they still look fresh. And then I also show you where to get inspiration and what to do once you find that inspiration. So we actually go find someone else's sermon series graphic, bring it into Canva, and then we create something that's extremely similar. This is a design that was made by someone who has amazing Photoshop skills. We take it and I'll show you how to create something extremely similar inside of Canva. So that way, even if you're stuck, you can find inspiration and make amazing sermon series graphics for your church. Because here's the deal, all right? I don't need to explain it to you. We talked about it so much, but we are living in a visual culture and we wanna make sure that when someone steps into your church, goes online or interacts with your sermon in any way, shape or form, that they are not instantly turned off by how cheesy or chintzy or cheap your graphic looks. It's the 21st century. People don't expect you to have a multi-billion dollar budget, but they do expect you to show up where it counts. This is one way to do it. So head over to the website, smallchurch.media right now to sign up for that free mini course right now. 
Now, before we jump into today's episode, two more business of housekeeping business to business of housekeeping. It's 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 housekeeping businesses to take care of. I have another review to leave for you guys. And this review comes from Tim Cope over at Second City Church. He wasn't able to write over an Apple podcast and he has a you know a little PS at the end of the message, but he sent me this email and you can email me at hello at smallchurch.media. He says, Mark, I just discovered the Small Church Media Podcast by way of an interview that you did on church communications. Please keep up the good work. I am a volunteer trying to move our church's website and media exposure forward. Your podcast is a true blessing and an encouragement. Thanks. And then the PS is rating coming to your podcast when Spotify thinks I have heard enough of your show. Easy listening. (laughs) Well, Tim, thanks so much for leaving me that review, man. I've already connected with you, and your gift card will be in the mail. It was supposed to be in the mail yesterday, but it's going to be in the mail today because the whole world exploded with a random appointment and VBS with the kids and all that kind of fun stuff. But if you are a listener over on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a review over there. I want to send you a free coffee gift card for leaving me that review. And by you leaving a review there or on Spotify, it helps other listeners find the podcast. But the easiest way for us to grow this podcast and grow this community, which side note, maybe you guys should let me know. Should we start a Facebook group for the Small Church Media Podcast? I think that would be pretty dope. But share this podcast episode or the show with another small church pastor in your community, because I can do as much cold outreach as as it comes. But if you tell another pastor or another volunteer or just another somebody at a church that's connected with you and is local, That's the easiest way for us to grow the show because they already trust you and trust your word. And hopefully we can help those churches also step up. And I like what Tim said and actually uh, media exposure forward. I love it. So Tim, thank you so much for that review, bro. And if you want to leave a review, I will read it on the show and get you a Starbucks gift card in the mail. Last thing is I have to remind you guys that today's episode of the Small Church Media Podcast is sponsored by Worship Tools, and Worship Tools creates software tools designed to equip your worship team and enhance your congregation's worship experience. Planning, presenter, and music stand are all included and are all free for your whole team to use. Prepare, rehearse, and present at the next level with Worship Tools. And you can get started today with Worship Tools completely free, no gimmicks, no Netflix subscription style where it's free and then cheap and then it's just absolutely normal cost. It's always going to be free for you guys unless you want to get the premium content that comes along with it. Head over to smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools today. Again, that's smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools. So today, we're going to talk about easy ways for you to be found online. Now, I'm just going to flat out say it. There are a thousand ways, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds of what they call SEO and search engine optimization and schema plans and Google ads and Facebook ads. We're not going to get all into that today because let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't necessarily have a lot of time to spend the hours and the hours and the hours of researching how to do it and then pulling it off. We just need to have some very easy, simple ways to help people who are looking online for churches find us. Because here's the deal, all right? I said this at the top of the episode, but if your church does not exist online, many people in your community will believe that your church just does not exist. 
This can be from they can't find your website, they can't find your social media. When they drive by your church and they search your online real quick, they want to know what to expect before they walk in. They just ain't going to walk into a church without actually knowing what it's going to look like, what type of clothes they should wear, what are they going to do with their kids. People want to know what to expect before they walk in, and if they can't do that, the chances of them walking through your doors just plummets. You know, we've talked a lot here recently, specifically in the last few episodes, about how to get your website prepared for visitors when they find your website. But today we're gonna talk about just how to get, not not find your website, because you know how to find it, but help people find your website. So today I'm gonna give you two, two things, not two ways, but two things you specifically need to do and then a bonus tip at the end of how your church can get found online. And when we talk about online, I'm specifically mainly talking about search engines, all right? So the first thing that we have to do, which this just makes sense to be found online, is to make sure that we are listed online. In fact, you need to get your website listed where people actually do most of their searching. What does that mean? Most people use something called Google to search things. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know if you've ever used it. But most people in the world use Google when they're searching anything. And Google has created this amazing tool called Google Business. Now, it used to be called Google My Business. Now it's called Google Business Profile. But we talked about this in episode one of this podcast. But since most people actually search on Google, you need to get your church listed on your, uh, on Google business uh, Google business page. You need to get your church a Google business profile. What does that mean? When people are searching to get to know what things are in their community, like let's say we're looking up restaurants, right? And I just type it on my phone, uh, Chinese buffets near me. When I search for that, there's going to be what's called the map pack that pops up where all the Chinese buffets in my local community based exactly on my zip code and they could ping my location. All those will pop up directly near me. And then there's even ones where if they're not exactly near me, but if they have really good ratings, they'll shoot up even higher up than the ones that are right next door to me. They might be a few miles down the road, but Google knows, hey, if they're the best in the area, we should let you know about that. The same thing actually works for churches. So if people type into Google churches near me, Baptist churches near me, non-denominational churches near me, uh, PC USA churches near me, Google will take all the information that they know, populate a search result, which is actually called a SERP, fun fact, S-E-R-P, search engine. Oh, goodness, I can't think what the R and the P stand for. But they'll create a page where all the search results will pop up. And the top things that pop up are people's ads. The second one is that map pack. And if you don't secure the Google My Business page or Google Business Profile page, the chances of you popping up in that map pack are slim to none. And then on top of that, it also Google when people are searching for it. If you claim the Google business page, attach your URL to it, Google also knows, hey, this is a real entity. And if people are looking for these specific search terms, maybe we should show people this result because that answer will actually help them. And the best thing about Google business is you are actually able to use the tools that Google gives you to help grow your business. You can add pictures to the Google My Business page. So that way, when someone's just searching your church, they pop up, they can view all the images that are right there that you want people to see of your church building, the sanctuary, or different events. So even before they get to their website, your website, they already know what's going on with the church. 
But most importantly, you are able to gather reviews from your church members. Because right now, Google is actually starting to rank the businesses with the most reviews and most ongoing reviews at the top of search results. So what you need to do is first set up your Google business page. Okay, and then our Google business profile. Then once you claim your Google business profile and you do a little bit of work to authenticate that it's actually you, you get some pictures up, start hitting up your church members to get good reviews from your church because all it takes is one bad review to absolutely plummet people finding your church and reading what's going on with your church. So you gotta get reviews from your church members. And then as you get more reviews, you add pictures maybe every few months to your Google business profile page, you'll see that your results will actually start to go up. And in just a little bit, I'll tell you how you can track those results as well. But here's the deal, all right? Google is not the only place people search, okay? The other more, not more, but the the other most popular search engine is Bing, the search engine that Microsoft created. So head after you set up your Google business page, head over to Bing business and you can set up your Bing business page as well. Because again, bold places are where people are searching. So you need to have your church listed there. Then after you set up both of those, then of course, maybe you already have a Facebook page, but then you want to set up your social media channels in such a way where you have the same times listed on your social media as you do Google, as you do your, your Bing business page, but then you got to keep posting content to your social media pages because these three places are the primary places where people are going to start when it comes to trying to find your church online, social media, and then search engines. Now, here's the deal. You can actually track, and I'm not going to go into it very much in this episode. Maybe that'll be a fun course to do for churches, but there's something called the Google Search account, uh, Google Search Council, where you're actually able to set up a profile inside of your Google Search Council, and then that actually tells you how many times your business or your church actually shows up in search results. It tells you how many times people have actually clicked on your listing. It tells you if your, uh, if your website's even being indexed inside of Google. The Google Search Council, in my opinion, is one of the best tools to use outside of whatever analytic tool software you have. Because we talked about again on the show what stats are most important that you need to follow. You got to know your stats. But if search engines can't even find your website, your Google Search Council account will tell you all of that. So you can just search Google Search Council. You can YouTube it, how to set it up, or feel free to shoot me an email and we can talk about how I can even set that up for your church. It doesn't take that long. So just let me know if you need help with that over at hello at smallchurch.media. I record in my bedroom and I'm pretty sure like a beat, like I don't know what it was. Some huge thing just flew by my window and I thought it was about to break through my window. That's why I hesitated. <laughs> so either way, the first way where is the easy way to get found online is you simply have to make sure that your church is listed where people actually search. So again, get that Google business profile page, set up that Bing business profile page and make sure you set up your church social medias properly and they all link back to your website. Now, those are all the places of doing the right things to make sure your stuff appears where it needs to go. But the other thing you need to do, and the second easy way, which in my opinion is easy, it just takes time, is you have to get your website up to speed so that way search engines actually like your website. 
Now, a lot of this conversation, go back and listen to that one about what stats are actually the most important for your, your church that you need to understand in terms of bounce rates, in terms of visitors, in terms of users, in terms of time spent on site. All these search engines actually track what people do on your website. And if people don't honestly do well with hanging out on your website for a long time or engaging with the content, Google and Bing and uh, DuckDuckGo, Yahoo, whoever people use will start to pick up on that and they'll start to notice it and they'll actually drop your church down on the search engine results because if people are going to your website and bouncing off 24-7, Google's going to go, okay, so... People apparently don't like this content, so other people don't need to see this content easier. So I want to challenge you to take the time and effort to build out a website that actually, A, has real pictures, B, has real and well-written content on each webpage so that way people will actually engage with your website longer. They'll get the information that they need to. And then from there, Google will actually say, hey, people are like actually liking this website. So let's make sure it shoots up in the search results. The other thing you need to do is we are living in a mobile first culture when it comes to specifically searching churches. A lot of different websites maybe have a different track record in terms of what types of people land on their webpage. But I can guarantee that most people who look at your church's website online is going to use their phone. So you gotta make sure your website is mobile device ready. And if you want to see how you can make your website mobile device ready and see if it even is mobile device ready, I want to encourage you to go to smallchurch.media, our website right now, scroll for just a, like a split second. A little pop-up will appear on that bottom left-hand corner, um, or I might take that away here in a little bit. We'll find out. And Or you can just go to the free resource library and download the free small church website audit PDF and go through that right now. Another easy thing that you can do on your website is in your footer, which is the very, very bottom part of your website, is include your church's name, include your church's location, all of your contact information, including what's the best email address and what's the best phone number and your church service times. And make sure you have those things in your footer. Because here's the deal, all right? Your footer and your header of your website are the two pieces that appear on every single page of your website. And Google has something called bots that crawl your website and they literally read your website from top to bottom. All the text, all the pictures, all the things that are on the website, these little bots crawl your website ridiculously fast. And they're looking for what information is on that page. And if people who want that information, they'll find it relevant. So if people are searching for a church near them, like for me, for example, I live in South Bend, right? If I search churches in South Bend, they want to show all the churches that show up in South Bend. And if a church near me, and I have plenty of them right around the corner, if they fail to put their address, their phone number, which includes the area code, which is our area, and the church's name and contact information, all kind of stuff in the footer. If they fail to do that, Google may never actually see where this church is located and then therefore not show me those results. So this is just a little hack that you can do. And I think you should do this because it actually helps people in your community know where you are, what your service times and all that kind of fun stuff is. But it also tells Google your church's name and your location, which then will help it help, you know, just honestly help itself in search results. 
Now, the fourth thing you can do on your website after you make sure the content's good, the, the it's ready to go on mobile, your footer's ready to go, is this is where it gets a little bit more technical, all right? Is you make sure that you name each page accordingly and then give it what's called a good meta description or page description so Google actually knows what that page is all about. So let's just go to Google real quick, all right? So if you're on Google and let's say you just search, um, let's do this, hot pocket recipes because I still think like I'm a teenager and I still love me some Hot Pockets. So I search Hot Pocket recipes, all right? I load it up, I scroll, all of a sudden all these results appear right here. And then, so I see page titles that are trying to get to the top of search results because if I click on their recipe for all these different Hot Pockets and copycat recipes and freezer-friendly recipes, they get more hits, which means they honestly get more ad money. So they're trying to make their page titles and meta descriptions use the words that I'm trying to search for. So like right here after I search Hot Pocket Recipes, it says homemade Hot Pockets, four ingredients from Rachel Cooks. Another one is 22 best homemade po uh, Hot Pocket Recipes. Another one says the best homemade po uh, Hot Pockets. Why am I saying, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm, <laughs> I am losing it. So, so, so let's try that again. Um, homemade Hot Pockets with step-by-step -step photos. I can go on and on and on, but here's the deal. Each one of those page titles has what I'm searching for in the actual title of that. And then, but when you see below it where it actually starts to explain what it is, where it talks about ingredients or like um, just a little quick description of what that page is about, that is actually called your meta description. When Google shows people search results based on what they are looking for, they always show them A, what the title of that page or that blog post is, and then B, a quick little description of what that page is because the idea is, is when I search for something on Google, Google wants to give me as much information as humanly possible so that way I select what I want to actually select. So how does that work for churches? If we fail to actually do a little bit of the legwork and name the pages on our website appropriately of what they need to be named and then put a meta description in where we describe what that page is actually about, if we do those things, that can actually help help our search results show up higher in Google. For example, our church, we have a student ministry page on our church's website, but we also had a student ministry website that I built where it was not attached to the church website at all because we were doing a lot of events and uh, student leadership conferences and mission trips. And I just wanted it completely separate from the church because it was just easier for me to update because it was honestly not for people finding the youth group. The website was actually more for parents, to be honest with you. But, but either way, I had a lot of people reach out to me, including camps in the area where they were trying to just find student ministries for either their team to get involved with or for our, for to find student ministry groups where they would come out and work at the campgrounds. And so what people would do is they would do student ministries, South Bend, Indiana, or youth groups in South Bend, Indiana. So the page that I created on our church's website was just student ministries, or, or sorry, sorry, it was called Southside Student Ministry. And obviously it was attached to our church's website, so that definitely helped. But in the meta description, I actually explained what it was and said the um, Southside Student Ministry is for 7th through 12th graders to help them learn to follow Jesus better in their community or something like that. I, I, don't, I can't tell you exactly what I put. But when I typed all those different things in, the more times I actually use what is called the keyword, the thing that people are actually searching, the higher my results actually showed up in the search engine results. So if you want to know more about what that actually is, I'll include a link in the show notes to tell you a little bit about what keywords are and what meta descriptions are. 
then how that actually works with search engine optimization to help get your page found online. Again, that is extremely technical. Do you have to do this? No, you really don't. But in my opinion, it helps boost your church higher in search results because in that meta description, again, you can put your church name, you can put the city that you are in, you can also put the pastor's name, but just to help give people the information that they want moving forward. So again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But the last thing that you need to do to get your website up to speed, or what I like to say is get your website up to snuff, is make sure that your website has its SSL certification. Again, make sure your website has its SSL certification. You know how when you go to a website and you see that little pad-like, uh, pad-like, padlock icon up in the address or search bar next to that URL? Well, if your website does not have that lock next to it, it is actually telling Google and other search results that your website is not secured. In fact, if you use Safari or Chrome and you go to a website and it doesn't have that padlock there, it will actually say the words, not secured. And sometimes that will also not let places like Instagram or Facebook take their users and direct them to the place that they need to go. In today's culture, every website is required to have its SSL certificate. And I'm not going to go into super deep of what SSL actually is, but uh, here's kind of the the, the SSL for dummies definition that I kind of came up with it, all right? An SSL certificate is what it's called. Simply put, tells search browsers that your website has a certain level of security on the page and that the person's computer or device won't get attacked or hacked. And the question is, is do you need to have your SSL certification? And if you don't, what does that mean for your church? If your website does not have its SSL certification and you're telling search engines that your site is secured, Webs are search engines like Google will do their absolute best to make sure that people who are searching for things do not find your church website. So what I want to challenge you with right now, this is the place I want you to start outside of everything else that we've talked about today, is go to your church's domain name right now. So whatever your church's domain name is right now, go to it. And if you see that little padlock lock sign, you can even click on it if you're on a desktop. It will say, like right now I'm at our old church's website, and I clicked on it and says, Safari is using an encrypted connection to southsidesbc.org because it actually means that there's a certificate showing that search engines and browsers can trust that this website doesn't have viruses on it, that it can't get hacked, that when people try to get in during these little back ways, all the stuff is completely encrypted. But If your website is not secured, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has hacks or viruses or all these different things going on, but it is going to get absolutely demolished by search engines. And I can guarantee that Google, Bing, and even DuckDuckGo will do their absolute best to make sure that they penalize you so people don't find your website. So you got to make sure your SSL certification is ready to go. So if you want to get your church found online, you got to do these two things. You got to get listed where people actually search, and then you also got to get your website up to speed to make sure that it's ready to go for both people and search engines to find online. Now, I've thought about ending it here because let's be honest, we're already at like that 26, 27 minute mark, but I want to give you some bonuses to help make your website constantly show up even more in search engines and tell search engines that your website 
is actually an active, living, breathing entity. Because this is just another little tip that search engines do. But if you create a website, all right, let's say you create a website, you set it, forget it, you never change a thing on that website. Over time, Google will actually think that your website is dead. And that if the content's never updated, well, then how can there be relevant information to the people that are actually looking for that website? So that's why a lot of times big businesses or or local re- or local area, um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Local businesses. I don't know why I was thinking the other restaurant term, but, but restaurants and other businesses have blog pages on their website or they're constantly creating new landing pages on their website. It's because they want to constantly let people know and let Google know that, hey, we're actually creating content. We're a living, breathing entity. We're actually trying to engage with our ideal customer. So can you please like rank us a little higher, please? That would be awesome. So if you want to use your church website to actually create more content for people in your community, honestly, Google might actually like that because you're actually creating more content for your website. But at the same time, it's also letting people find resources on your church website. And people, if people are finding resources on your website that is actually like valuable to them, they're going to stay on your website even longer and maybe click on more things, which then even tells Google even more of, hey, people really like this website. We should keep showing this website to people. Because to be honest with you, Google doesn't care if you're a business or if you're a church or if you're a restaurant. They just want to get the actual results of people that are looking for them. So if you are creating content on your church's website that people actually want to engage with and do engage with, not only are you also investing in other other people's lives and coming alongside them, but you're also helping Google, A, find more content to potentially show more people when they search for, for answers for hard questions, but it's also helping potentially boost your stats as well. So this is just a complete bonus, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of small churches don't have the bandwidth to actually create content to help make their church's website grow. But if you do want to take that little plunge and maybe try a little bit something different, all right, and maybe create some content for your church's website, here are some different types of content that you can create for your website. Number one is create a sermon library for your church, and a sermon library that is easy to manage, all right? Right? And this is best done if you have a WordPress website, but if you have a website like from Weebly or Wix or Squarespace, I'll be honest with you, it's a big pain in the butt to do that. <laughs> I'm just being completely honest. But if you are using a uh, church resource bill or, or like one of those church resource like Share Faith or Faith Connector or something like that where they have the ability to have a sermon engine library in there, Take full advantage of using that. Or if you want to build out a web, a church website that has the ability to have a really beautiful church library, send me an email, hello at smallchurch.media, and we can get on the phone and talk about what we can do to help get your church website in order, build you a new pretty one that also has a sermon library in it, because people are looking for, let's just be honest, answers to their life questions, and you're making sermons to do that. So why not create a way for people to just engage with your content on your church's website? Another thing you can do is actually start blogging on your website. You can do things like thoughts from the pastor or maybe from the pastor's desk, which is, I know a lot of people used to do that back in the day. They would actually like write letters or type out letters and mail to their church people. You could use your church's blog feature that's built into the website to just have basic thoughts from the pastor or um, um, just notes from the pastor's desk. Or you can do follow-ups to the sermon. You could literally just take your church's sermon 
make a blog post out of it and just post it on the church's website and maybe have a little bit of content for people to have resources to just read and grow in their faith. You could also do tips for Christian living. There's a lot of churches out there, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of these are more your medium to large-sized churches where they'll have blogs on their webpage where it's just honestly just articles that help come alongside people's faith and grow. Like there's a church out there in uh, South Carolina called New Spring Church, and if you don't like uh, New Spring Church, just just ignore me and let's continue for a little bit. (laughs) They actually have articles that are written on their website to help people in their church. Like for example, they, uh, they have all these different blog posts, and here are some of their titles. Are guardian angels real? Should Christians just chill out on the Enneagram? Is astrology demonic? Three reasons why Jesus came to die. Um, What the Bible actually says about heaven. What exactly is the role of a man? Uh, seven reasons repentance is actually worth it, and on and on it goes. They are trying to create an, a, a, a resource library, so to speak, of articles that just help their church members let's be honest, maybe change their mindset, have more of a Christian worldview, be encouraged in their faith, and continue to push on in the Christian life. You can do that for your church's website as well, just using the blog post feature on your website. And the last thing is, is anytime your church has a main event that is going on, create a web page for that event, whether it's Easter or VBS or Christmas, fall launch for student and children's ministry, or just whatever summer event you have going on, create an actual page on your church's website, and then make Facebook ads that point directly back to those pages. Because the goal is for you to get in front of people, to pique their interest, and then point them back to the website where they can learn more about your church, the event, and make Maybe, just maybe, take a step and walk into your church building, and then by doing that, maybe even take one step closer to following Jesus. Because at the end of the day, us as churches, we're not just here to sit on the corner and kind of hide in the shadows. We're supposed to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody, but we need to go where people are. Where are people? People are online, and if we do these two different things where if we want to get found online, we got to get, you know, actually get our church listed where people search like Google, Bing, social media, but we also have to make sure that if people do find us, that our website is up to snuff, and if our websites do what the job is supposed to do, it's just going to go back and make the search results and the search engines love your website even more, which means they're going to show it to more people, and then the cycle just goes on and on and on, and just like that, if you follow those steps, more people will actually find your church's website online. Well, guys, it was a great time hanging out with you again over here on the Small Church Media Podcast. Again, just to remind you, go over to the website at smallchurch.media right now, and you can sign up. It says add to cart. It's really free. You don't pay for it. But for the free sermon series, uh, sermon series graphics mini course powered just using Canva for completely free. That is open right now. So just go to the website, add it to your cart. And literally the course can be done in an afternoon. I think it was like, I think there's only like an hour and a half worth of video content on there. So if you never pause me, that's how fast it can go. But it's designed to, for you to work side by side with me as we design sermon series graphics together. And if you never press pause, literally you will be done in an hour and a half, but you probably will press pause. So literally in one afternoon, like three hours, You'll have three different sermon series graphics ready to go and then have the tools that you need to actually make more of them. That sounds like it's too good to be true. And that's why I put it into a free mini course to teach you guys how to do that. 
And just like always, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating review. Spotify, leave us a rating. And if this podcast episode was an encouragement to you, it would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with another small church pastor or friend or volunteer so that way we can continue to help other small churches use media well to not just engage with their community outside their building, but also grow the faith of the people inside of their building as well. And starting next week, I just want to let you guys know we're going to be going on a long adventure, all right? We haven't done an actual series here on the Small Church Media Podcast since getting ready for the Christmas season, but we're going to talk about the question of, should you start a podcast for your church, and can that be the next ministry that helps actually grow your church, engages with your church people, and hey, maybe, just maybe does the exact same thing you wish Sunday School has done for years. We're going to go on a whole series about how to do these different things. So come back next week where maybe you can just maybe learn how to use podcasting, which is what we're doing right now, to grow the faith of your church community. Sound good? (laughs) All right, guys. Well, until next week, I hope you have a good one, and we'll see you next time on the Small Church Media Podcast. The Small Church Media Podcast is a part of Mark Hyde Creative.